Hey everybody, welcome to your Sunday sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you decided to join me today. We're going to continue on in our series on salvation. Probably one of the most important things that we can know about in the entire Word of God because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, so we need to know not only how we are able to express ourselves to lost people, we as believers, but also like I talked about last week in the saved and justified message, if you, when you learn the facets of our salvation, the beauty of what went on at your salvation, it can't help, I wouldn't think, but to supercharge you into a new walk with Christ because you begin to realize more and more and more exactly what Jesus did for you. And I know what he did for me. Woo, amen. I'm not sure how many parts uh, this series is going to have, but today we're going to do part two and we're going to title this Saved and Sanctified saved and sanctified. Again, number one was saved and justified. We're going to go over justification real quick. And then again, number two here is saved and sanctified. You got to say it like that, saved and sanctified. Um, So let me repeat uh, some things from last week's sermon on saved and justified. So I started off by talking about salvation itself. So I asked some questions. What are we saved from? Well, in the Christian doctrine of salvation, we are saved from the wrath of God. So every one of us are born into this world enemies of God. We're not friends of God. We are enemies of God. And the wrath of God is against us. We are saved from that because Jesus took that for us on the cross. If you want to look that up, it's Romans 5, 9 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, that will talk to you about the wrath of God. That is God's judgment of sin because we are born sinners and there has to be a judgment upon that sin. And the only way to get free from that is to have that wrath removed is through Jesus Christ by faith in Christ and Christ alone. So our sin has separated us from God. We see that in Romans six twenty three, and the consequence of that sin is death. Biblical salvation refers to our deliverance from the consequence of sin and therefore involves the removal of sin. Another question, who does the saving? Well, only God can remove sin and deliver us from sin's penalty. 2 Timothy 1.9, Titus 3.5. He, he sent his only son to come and die on a cross for us and to take our place on the cross, to take our sin upon him and also to take on and suffer the wrath of God while he was on the cross. How does God save Well, in the Christian doctrine of salvation, God has rescued us through Christ. John 3, 17, that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through me. So we are saved and rescued and delivered through Christ. He's the only one that can do that. There's no other person, so-called God, little g, God, whoever maybe you may be getting your information from, but... Only through Christ can someone find eternal life. Scripture's clear that salvation is the gracious, undeserved gift of God, Ephesians 2, 5, and 8, and is only available through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we receive this salvation? By faith, by faith in Christ. We 
first must hear the gospel. That's very important to understand. We must first hear the gospel. And I really believe we're living in a day and age where the gospel has been so watered down so as not to offend people. The gospel will offend people because it tells people that they are sinners, born sinners who are in need of a savior. And without that savior, they will they will die and go to hell separated from God forever. People don't want to hear that, but those whose hearts are ready to receive it will gladly receive it. And then once you give them the whole gospel message, they will come, they pretty much will probably choose faith, to trust in Christ uh, and to come to faith in Christ, and then their lives can be completely changed. So first we must hear the gospel, then we must believe, we must fully trust the Lord Jesus. Uh, Romans 1.16. So there is hearing the gospel. Then there is real belief in our heart. This involves also repentance of our sin. Repentance being something that means a change of mind about sin and about Christ. You come to this realization, I'm a sinner. I, I, I don't want this in my life. I can't live like this. I, I Now I see Jesus for who he really is. He's a savior of the world. I want him to be my savior. And then that's the calling on the name of the Lord we see in Romans 10, 9 and 10 and verse 13. Call on the name of the Lord. So we hear the gospel. We believe. We repent of our sins. And we call on the name of the Lord by faith to come into our life and be the Lord and Savior of our life. And that's what salvation is. That's how it comes to us. That's who did it. And that who, that's who salvation is through. So now we're going to move into the topic of sanctification. And this will not take real long, but we are going to try to cover it the best we can. Sanctification, it's a big theological term, but we're going to break it down and see what it means because it's part of your salvation experience. So we find this term sanctification or sanctified in a lot of different verses in the New Testament, but I'm going to focus on this one section of verses and it's found in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And by the way, I'll have all these scripture verses that I reference. They will be on the description uh, in the description area of on the YouTube channel, all of them will be listed. So you can go back and look them up. And uh, and also, I'd like to say, when you go to the YouTube channel, if you know anybody, send them there that they would like it and subscribe, and we can build that subscriber base and get the word out across the world. Amen. So, First Corinthians six nine through eleven, it says, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? If you die in your unrighteousness, you will not go to heaven." goes on to say, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those who, nor those habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Without Christ, you'll never go to heaven. You'll die in those sins that were mentioned. And in verse 11, Paul says, such were some of you, but you were washed. In other words, you're regenerated. We'll talk about that later. But you were sanctified, but you were justified. We talked about that last week in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. The amplified version of the Bible puts it this way. And such some of you were once, but you were washed clean, purified by a complete atonement for sin and made free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated or set apart 
hallowed, and you are justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God. So that whole aspect where it talks about sanctification, we're going to cover this further, it means consecrated, it means set apart. And remember, this happened at the moment of your conversion. The moment you trusted in Christ, at that moment you were justified, you were sanctified, and that sanctification means that you were consecrated unto the Lord and you were set apart. One Bible commentator paraphrased it this way. He said, in these things you were certain ones of you, but you bathed yourselves clean from sin and the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, but you were set apart, that's the sanctification, set apart for God, but you were made righteous, that's the justification, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Woo, hallelujah, those are, that's, that's, I mean, that's what happened to you when you got saved, you should be excited about that. So justification, we talked about this last week, I want to cover it real quick. Justification is defined as an act of God by which those who are unrighteous in themselves are nevertheless declared righteous before God while still in the sinning state. Whew. So in other words, when you came to faith in Christ, you were a sinner. And at that very moment that you came and truly came to faith in Christ, believed and called on the name of the Lord and were truly saved, an act of God took place that declared you righteous before God. Justification then is a deliverance from the penalty of sin and is a past action for all believers accomplished by Christ at the cross. So this is something that is a one and done. It's already been done. It happened at the moment of your conversion, wherever that was, it happened in the past and it stays with you. It's one and it's done. It's been done. Paul summarizes the concept of justification this way. He says, so, so then as through one transgression, which was Adam's sin, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, which is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, there resulted justification of life to all men. One man, Adam, sinned, caused all of us to be born sinners into the world, but through the one act of Christ on the cross, now all men can come to faith in Christ and be saved or be justified. We find that in Romans 5.18. By contrast, in our topic today, sanctification listen to this very closely, is not the act of God declaring a person righteous. That happened when you were justified. Rather, it is the continual process by which God is actually making a person righteous. So we'll make this even more clear. Sanctification is the deliverance from the power of sin and is a present and continuous process of believers, believers becoming Christ-like accomplished by the Holy Spirit's power and presence. So justification was that one time that happened at the moment of your conversion in the past, whenever that was, you were justified. But sanctification is a present and continuous process in your life that is moving you day by day more and more into Christ's likeness. But it's not just going to happen on its own. You have to put some effort into it, but it's there to help you in that. So sanctification represents a believer's victory over the flesh. 
Romans 7, 24 and 5, uh, over the world, uh, victory over the world, 1 John 5, 4, and victory over the devil, James, devil, James 4, 7. So the ultimate end of our sanctification is that we will be found in Christ's image as Paul describes in Romans 8, 29 and 30. Let me read that to you. Romans 8, 29 and 30. 29 through 30. He says, for those whom he foreknew, so God knew this was going to happen, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. God made a way for you to come to Christ from the beginning, from the foundation of the world. It goes on to say, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, if you're watching this and you're saved, that's you, who he also called, that's you, that's me. And these whom he called, he also justified and these whom he justified, he also glorified. So the end result of our sanctification, so we get justified, past action, completed in the past, one and done. We now walk into this salvation or this sanctification process as we live our life on this earth. We live it in Christ and we get more and more like Christ every day, every day as we strive to be that way. But it ends in ourselves being glorified glorification it said so in summary justification happens when god declares a guilty sinner to be righteous sanctification happens when god makes the believing sinner righteous declared and he then makes you righteous justification is a one-time act sanctification is a continual process or i'm going to mention a little bit later it's it's a progressive process of every day you're you're continuing to be sanctified more and more and more and again there's going to be some effort that you have to put into it as well justification releases us from the penalty of sin sanctification releases us from the power of sin so justification releases us from the penalty of sin sanctification releases us from the power of sin sin no longer has a power over you and you can now live a holy life you can both justification and sanctification are aspects of our eternal salvation, Hebrews 5, 9. And, that, and so for a thing to be sanctified, it, like I said earlier, it means it is set apart for special use. If you ever wondered if your life mattered, if you're a believer, you've got to get this down inside of you. If you're in Christ, you have been set apart for a special use. I learned, you know, Sinai was set apart from all the other mountains for the giving of the law. The temple in Jerusalem was set apart for all other locations, um, from all other locations for the worship of the one true God. So that's what we're sanctified. We are set apart for special use by God. You were set apart when you got saved and destined for special use by God. Things that are sanctified are reserved for God's purposes and should not be used for mundane tasks. Now, I know we all, you're thinking, well, I have a job and that seems to be kind of mundane to me, but understand something, you were made for more than that job. There's more. On the job, you can glorify Christ by the way you live and be a witness that will help lead people to Christ. But there is something for you to do specifically for the kingdom of God. You've been set apart for special use by God. You should be asking 
the Lord through the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to do? What special work that do you have for me to do to accomplish with my life while I'm on this earth? And it'll make your life, you'll start to walk in your destiny for God and it'll make your life much more fulfilling than just getting up, going to work, coming home and doing that over and over. There's more for you to do than just bringing home the bacon, so to speak. There's more for you to do to help build God's kingdom. You've been set apart for special use by God. People who are sanctified are born again and therefore are part of God's family. Again, if you've never, if you didn't grow up in a good family, you didn't have a mother and father, the moment you came to Christ, you were put in the best family that you could ever have been put in. And your father is God the Father. Amen. I find that in Hebrews 2.11. You are reserved for God's use. Man, that is powerful. You have been set apart for special use by God. Our lives are not supposed to be all about mundane tasks. We are, we are supposed to be about the Father's business because he set us apart for special use. We are a special vessel to be used within the kingdom of God, and our lives can truly, truly make a difference. Those who are sanctified, they know the sanctifying work of the Spirit in their lives. First Peter 1, 2. And I can, I can look back when I first got saved, and there were immediately things that, I mean, immediately that I realized I shouldn't be doing that. That's that sanctification process. It doesn't stop there, and it, go, it goes with us. That process moves with us all through our life and continues by the power of the Spirit and our effort putting into it. The, the Holy Spirit begins to make us more aware. We're more sensitive to, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't be involved in that. And that's that sanctifying process where Paul said, put off the old man and put on the new. You're not supposed to be living like you were before you're saved. You should not be talking like you like you did before you were saved. You should not be. That's why I said last week, hey, listen, I'm not, not going to knock on anybody in this sermon for drinking, but for me, drinking was something that I did in the past. Getting drunk was part of my past. It's something that I did. Why would I want to do that now as a believer? I've been set apart, part, set apart for special use by God. I, I, non, I understand there is a sanctifying work of the Spirit happening in my life on a daily basis. Those who understand this sanctifying work of the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, they abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 1.2 says, they understand they have been called to be his holy people. And this is a, one of the things that has always somewhat amazed me as a man of God and a believer. When I get around other people who say they go to church, they will name their church as if that's something really great, and they will talk about that. But then out of their mouth come words and things that I used to do before I got saved that I now know I shouldn't do because it's not uh, it's not edifying for the kingdom of God. It's not edifying your life. It's making any unbeliever around you probably say, well, why do I want Christ? Because that guy acts like I do. And so that's the whole thing about sanctification. You've got to let that process move in your life so your life looks different because one of the main reasons God sets you apart was so you can be a witness to those who are unsaved. And one of the greatest ways you can be a witness is to live a life that looks sanctified and you act sanctified and you talk sanctified. And that, that hugely makes a difference in people's lives to where they will now begin to ask questions. Where are you like that? You can now give them the gospel message. So to be sanctified means that God's word has had an effect on us. Our lives should look different. 
our lives, your life should look different. It is through the word that God cleanses us and makes us holy. Ephesians 5.26, John 17.7. To be sanctified means that God loves us too much to let us stay the same. He is there. He is continuing by the power of the Spirit to work in my life and to move out things of the flesh and to move in and enhance the things of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul's prayer is for all believers everywhere. And he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he prayed this prayer, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus is coming back. Let him come back. Let your life be found as one that is being kept blameless, that your whole spirit, soul, and body is being kept blameless, that you're being sanctified through and through on a daily basis. Amen. That's powerful stuff. There are, let me give you a little theological thing here. There's three aspects to sanctification. There is this positional sanctification, which is possessed by every believer from the moment of your conversion, Acts 20, 32. Number two, there's a progressive sanctification. I talked about that a little bit earlier. That's the daily growth in grace, becoming in practice more and more set apart for God's use. We see that in a lot of places, John 17, 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 8, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. Again, that's progressive. That's that progressive sanctification. It happened at the moment of your conversion. It's progressively moving through your life. That's that daily growth in grace becoming in practice in the way you act and the way you live more and more set apart for God's use. And number three is the ultimate sanctification. And we would say, AKA, that's your glorification. That's attained only when we are fully and completely set apart to God in heaven. At the moment we go to heaven, we are now in our glorified state. But up until that time, we've been living in this progressive sanctification state where we are living. Um, again, I wanna say this, we're becoming in practice more and more like Christ. It's daily growth in grace. One Bible commentator, one author who writes really powerful books. Let me read you this whole thing. It's really good. Oswald Chambers said this, sanctification means intense concentration on God's point of view. Listen to this. This is powerful. It means every power of body, soul, and spirit is chained and kept for God's purpose only. Whew. It will cause an intense narrowing of all our interests on earth and an immense broadening of all our interests in God. So the things you do that are not eternal or that earth, that are earthly, whatever, those things will be narrowed in your purpose and all of a sudden you'll begin to broaden in your purposes for God. He says, are we prepared for God to do all in us that he separated us for? The reason some of us have not entered into the experience of sanctification is that we have not realized its meaning from God's standpoint. 
Sanctification means being made one with Jesus so that the disposition that ruled him will rule us. The disposition that ruled Christ will rule us. Jesus has prayed that we might be one with him as he is one with the Father. The one and only characteristic of the Holy Spirit in a person is a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ and freedom from everything that is unlike him. Hallelujah. So I say with many who have said it before, I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with, with, with the great apostle Paul, by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And everything that I am is only because of what Christ did in me. I'm a justified man of God, declared righteous. I'm a sanctified man of God. And every day I'm trying to grow daily in grace. I'm trying to practice out my life in Christ more and more and show myself being more and more daily separated for God's use. Whew, that's powerful stuff. So in closing, in the New Testament usage, sanctification, that terminology overwhelmingly has to do, listen to this, to do with a status that we enjoy in Christ. You have been sanctified and you are sanctified and you are being sanctified. So at some level, of course, this consecrated status entails reform and personal godliness we must strive to be what we are. So we are sanctified. We just don't sit around and, and do nothing about it. We pray, we spend time in the word, and we grow in the word of God, which will then cause us to grow in Christ likeness. So there's an effort on our part. God did it, but now the sanctification part of it, remember, justification is done, one and done. You're declared righteous. But now we're supposed to be living a holy life. That's that progressive sanctification moving through our life. That's us putting something into it as well. So 2 Corinthians 7.1 reflects this. It says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Woo! Let me say it again, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. That is our consecrated status. It must be evident in real life. People need to see this in us. Do people see in your life a consecrated status that they see you as being set apart for God for a special use for God do they see in you a godly man or a godly woman of God our life should truly show there should be renewal there should be transformation and being like Christ there should be a being godly and pure. There should be a living out what God has worked in us. Man, don't live like you used to be. Live like who you are now. That's why these sermons are so powerful because it shows you who you are right now. You are justified, sanctified. And we're not, we haven't even got to reconciled and redeemed and regenerate. We haven't even got to all those things yet. Those are just in other facets of the beauty of your salvation, but just these two alone. So now as you leave this sermon, you need to be making sure that you are living a life that shows you've truly been sanctified.
Amen? Justification declares you at the moment to be not guilty before God and therefore treated as holy, at which time we are also sanctified or set apart. But this process works itself continually throughout our lives. Let me close with this illustration. It's called the good fight. It says the New Testament calls upon us to take action. It does not tell us that the work of sanctification is going to be done for us. We're in the good fight of faith and we must do the fighting. But thank God we are unable to do it. For the moment we believe and are justified by faith and are born again of the Spirit of God, we have the ability. You have the ability to live this way. It goes on to say, so the New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that and having reminded us of it, it says, now then go and get it. So the New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that. And having reminded us of that, it says, now then go and do it. In other words, we have the ability to get her done. We now need to go out and we need to get her done and our lives need to show that we are something different than what we used to be. People should see you different. They should hear you talk different. They should see you react to situations different. I know there's a lot going on in the world today, but it should not be overbearing to you. You are a man or woman of God, has the peace of God in your heart. You should be able to deal with all these things with self-control. So people are going to see in you something's different and they're going to begin to ask you, how do you handle all these things with all this stuff going on? How do you live the way you are and continue to live the way and not get angry and mad and frustrated? You say, because I've been sanctified. I've been set apart for a special use by God. I'm trying to live my life out and be holy before God. So let them know, let them see. That way it opens up the door for you to now give them the gospel message. Amen. And then let me repeat again what one of the things said earlier. Let it, let this understanding today cause an intense narrowing of all your interests on earth and an immense broadening of all your interests in God. Lastly, live all out for God and let yourselves make a point of living in sanctification on a daily basis. Grow in the grace of God. Every day you get up, make a decision. You're going to live set apart you're going to do that special use that God has for your life, and you're going to live a life that shows that you have truly been justified. Amen? Well, let me pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for this time together. We just give you the glory and the honor and praise for this. I pray everyone who's listening to this, I pray for those who know you. I pray that they would be uh, just, in, that their insides would be just reeling right now of excitement of what of the understanding and the true knowledge of who they really are in Christ, that they've been justified, one and done. They've been sanctified. And every day they have the power of the Holy Spirit helping them as they make the effort to live more like Christ, to look more like Christ, to sound more like Christ. So I pray for all those believers watching this and listening to this, Holy Spirit, that you would challenge them where they are and they would accept the challenge to live out their life in a way that is pleasing to God. And for anyone that's watching this who's not a believer and they're listening to this and they understand now what it really is to be saved, I pray that they would simply do what we talked about at the beginning of the sermon. They would hear the gospel which they've heard throughout this whole thing. I pray they would then believe in their heart who Jesus is and what he did. They would see themselves as a sinner in need of that Savior. And then they would repent of their sins 
and then they would call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. I thank you for people being saved from this, even right now around the world. And Father, for all these things, we give you the glory and the praise and the honor. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. So that's part two. We've got two parts. We're going to move on into some more. But God bless you. Thank you. So from this day on, live all out for God. Grow in the grace of God. Amen. God bless you.